Hey, what is up everyone? For those who don't know, my name is Seth, and you are listening to the New Resistance Podcast Election Special Episodes. As a reminder, Election Day is Tuesday, April 6th. It is so important for you to get out and vote. Shoot, fill your car up with your friends or neighbors or anyone who needs a ride. Take them to vote as well. If you don't know where you're supposed to go, either look on your voter registration card or go to www.greencountymo.gov, click on Precinct Locator Tool, put your address in the search box, click Enter, and it will bring up the place, address, and hours, etc. to your voting place. Now for this installment, I had the privilege of sitting down with Alex Ayton. He is running for a spot on the Springfield City Council. I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. So, in the words of Charlie Kirk, here we go. And my guest today is Alex Ayton. He is running for City Council and... Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's, I've been uh, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to me it. Me too. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I understand that you teach, you're a professor, teach Russian. Yeah, I teach Russian at Missouri State University. I work in the Foreign Language Institute. And uh, yeah, I picked up Russian because I took Russian classes from that uh, institute oh, back wow. when I was doing my bachelor's degree there <laughs> and um, then I they asked me to fill the shoes of the uh, instructor who taught me oh, so wow. that was pretty big, cool that's big shoes to fill on that <laughs> yeah yeah she was uh, she's from Russia so oh, she, wow. she's um, very talented knows the language quite oh, well as you might imagine I bet yeah I always wanted to learn Russian when I was in school but my little high school never went I think Spanish was about it. I think my my college might have had might have had French. But. So, uh, what led you to deciding to run for a local office? And is there any reason in particular for choosing General Seat A? Yeah. Well, my brother and I we were looking at what was going on in our community and. We were kind of getting depressed about how things were pretty bad nationally. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're just regular people. We don't have influence on things off in Washington, D.C. So yeah. we wanted to make a positive impact, and the way to do that is in local politics. Right. And, um, you know, Marcus is very qualified to be mayor, so it made sense for him to do that. And mm-hmm. it, made sense for me to go for seat A, which is opening up. That's Jan Fisk. Yeah, Jan Fisk is vacating that seat. Thankfully. (laughs) So there's, what, three other people running for that seat beside you? Why why should the citizens of Springfield vote for you over those others? It's actually pretty clear. Like, if you think, oh, there's four choices, how complicated. But yeah. it's actually a lot simpler than that because three of those, my, my, my three opponents all support the current mayor. <sighs> so all three of them support the status quo, the way mm-hmm. things have been done, the way the city handled 
the coronavirus response and the way the city has been declining yeah. poverty has not improved so yeah. you know if you support the status quo you have three options yeah if you think that maybe springfield needs some diversity of opinion on the city council then there's really just me running for that that's right if i understand right one of your opponents was on the council before and quit so i think so that's right yeah if he quit before why 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 should people vote for him again so being new to running for office and what have you discovered about how springfield politics runs yeah i i've learned more about springfield than i ever expected to know and i've talked to so many people doing all kinds of different things involved in different organizations and uh doing all kinds of different work. So, yeah, it's a huge learning curve. Oh, yeah. But really rewarding, too, to learn so much about your community. People in Springfield are really collaborative. People want to work together and make the place better. So that's also been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if you just were going off of local media or whatever, you wouldn't really get that, that there's people who actually get along. (laughs) <laughs> I want to get along. I, I guess it's a better news story when you have the uh, big, flashy, scary negatives. Yeah. And that's a problem with all, all media, it seems. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of a lot of that, yeah. Unfortunately, that's what apparently gets ratings. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, uh, so, Springfield being a bit of a purple city, how do you navigate talking to voters from both sides yeah i've actually found that it's pretty easy because the problems that we have in springfield aren't partisan left or right that's right they affect everybody no matter who you are what you look like what you do we all are living in the same city so it's it's really not an ideological thing i found so some people tried to make it ideological but it's not it's you know do we have enough police officers are we putting enough resources into taking care of nuisance properties? Are mm-hmm. the potholes getting filled? You know, it's just the basic you know, functions of a municipality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not a left-right issue. That's just a common sense issue. Yeah. Once you really t- talk to people... Yeah, like you said, they're pretty much all the all the same. Yeah, and that's that's something that I've also really enjoyed because it allows you to focus on the issues when you're running mm-hmm. for office rather than, you know, this is the side I'm on, and if you're not, then we have to get into a fight about yeah. it. You know, I I'm not really interested in doing that. So, uh, the good government committee pulled a stunt a few weeks ago on you and your brother, seemingly. It was designed to, to get you and Marcus off the ballot. Like basically, I was, what I remember or understand is trying to claim you hadn't or didn't live here for two years or some, something like that. And so how has it affected the way you react to those arrows being thrown at you since? Yeah. Well, it was it was kind of a surprise. I yeah. I didn't think that um, you know. Again, I thought, oh, it's just a city election. We'll just run and see what happens, you yeah. know, and uh, do our best. And then that happened, and I was like, whoa, okay. I guess we've gotten the attention of some powerful people mm-hmm. who 
really don't like being challenged. Apparently, yep. they they seem to feel that these city council seats belong to the Chamber of Commerce yep. and not to the people. So, you know, I guess they feel a sense of entitlement and a sense of ownership over positions on city council. So, you know, somebody from the outside wants to run for office. Apparently, that's not okay with them, and they felt threatened enough yeah. that they took those actions. On one hand, I wasn't surprised that the ruling class elites would do something like that. I was just surprised that it happened here. <laughs> That's something that I'm glad that I'm not backed by yeah. some powerful moneyed interest because, well, if you take their money, you are beholden to them. That's and right. the way that Marcus and I have run our campaigns we are not beholden to anybody except the people of Springfield and the voters. And I like that. I'm very yeah. comfortable with that. That's the way it should be. Yeah. It, you kind of got to have money to do some things, but it, 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 it depends on who, where that money's coming from. In these organizations, I, that's why, it's one reason why I've supported all you guys is because you're not all about big pack money and, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not always a popular position to uh -uh. want to do what's best for the people rather than what's best for special yeah. interests. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but best way to be, I think. Okay. Um, what do you believe are the most pressing issues for Springfield that should be addressed first? I know there's a lot of issues that, that Springfield has, but what, what do you think should, are the ones that should be addressed first? Yeah, well, it seems like the immediate thing is the crime, and that yeah. seems to be pretty closely related to the 40 police officer shortage that we have right now. Yeah. And that's really disappointing, too, because yeah. it takes years to develop a 40 officer shortage yeah. and be unable to fill that. So the current leadership has really dropped the ball on that. They uh, apparently just haven't made it a priority. And it's a simple fix again. It's yeah. a common sense solution. We don't pay competitive starting salaries to police officers compared to surrounding municipalities where uh, the work is a lot safer and a lot easier. So yeah. folks will go there to be officers rather than come to Springfield. So you just have to pay competitive salaries. And I yeah. think we can fill those positions then. Yeah, I noticed the other day that uh, Chief Williams had, was saying that uh, the latest or the next academy spot or class that they only had five spots I think so far hmm. that's crazy um, when elected what are your ideas or plans as far as how to handle the remaining issues with COVID I, I think that Pretty much everybody would agree that we're going to be dealing with it for quite a while. At least there's some things. Yeah, I think the, uh, the common sense position to me is that, first of all, we can't close our local businesses and shove everybody into one big box store. That's, right. that's not going to stop the spread of a virus. So that's, that's not, yeah, that's not a, a health decision. That's an economic decision, and we shouldn't be doing that. We can't pick winners and losers in the economy. Right. 
That's the first thing. The second thing is it makes sense to take special precautions in places where you have vulnerable populations, like in hospitals and nursing homes. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen bad effects playing out in Michigan and New York where those precautions weren't taken. So, you know, you yeah. want to protect uh, vulnerable folks and keep people healthy. However, with populations that either have been vaccinated or already had the virus and are therefore immune or were not vulnerable to it, you have to let people live their lives as normally as possible because otherwise you're going to see the other side of the lockdowns, which is the increase in depression, the increase in suicide, um, mental health issues, social isolation. And all of these sorts of things have have a huge and I think still unforeseen uh, in terms of size, how, how big of an impact it's going to have on society. Yeah, I know that personally. I know how that's how it affected me. I know I'm not the only one. Yeah, it was really hard on everybody, no yeah. matter what right. you were or what you were doing in life. It really hit a lot of people. And that, I think, was a that was not necessary to uh, have it happen that way. No, it wasn't. Um, do you think they just didn't realize that they were having that effect on people, like the, the, the other side of the lockdowns? Or do you think they didn't care or they were just didn't know or they actually thought they were doing the right thing? I could see it being an honest mistake for like the first two weeks when the stay-at-home order came out. Yeah. People were very confused. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So, okay, I, I can see the decisions that they made early on. But as this wore on, it became pretty clear what was going on and what the risks were and mm -hmm. who was at risk. And for it to go on then for months and months for the leadership to continue making the same decisions and the same mistakes, then, you know, that's that's where I take issue with it. I think there's I don't I you know, I can't ascribe a motive to it. You'll have yeah. to ask them yourselves. But yeah, it seems like there's a stubbornness there. Yeah, that's my initial reaction is to think the worst. Yeah, I'd like to think that it that it yeah. wasn't. But who knows? Um Let's see. So, what do you foresee as being your biggest hurdle or roadblock in office, if, if any? I think it's got to be just the uh, number of people on the council. Yeah. So, we don't know who's going to get elected and how many um, new perspectives are going to find their way onto the city council. So, really, the, the issue that Springfield faces now and has faced for several decades is that the city council is very uniform in its mm -hmm. perspectives and that's not been a healthy thing for our city we need to have an open conversation we need to have debate and we mm -hmm. need to find the best course and that's just not happening and it hasn't happened for a long time yeah. so whether you agree or disagree we've only occasionally had an you know, one or maybe two people on the city council representing alternative points of view. And they've been pushed out. And they tend to get pushed out. And you even see that uh, with a current incumbent, uh, Craig Hosmer, used to be endorsed by the Good Government Committee, and now yeah. he is not. Yeah. They're trying to uh, remove him as well. So um, 
you know, this <laughs> this is the kind of thing that needs to be addressed. This yeah. this monolithic we control the council that uh, you see coming out of the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. We we could go on all night about I could <laughs> go on all night about that. So I think we could both agree there's a certain divide, I think, in this in the city as as well as around the country. It's it's not where but where do you think that that divide actually lies to the by economic status the elites versus the rest of us the divide i see is between the small group of elites who run the city and all of the rest of the people regardless of who you are regardless of what you look like um and regardless of what your economic status is, you're in the in crowd or you're not. Yeah. And um, it's it's just this small group of elites who want to make decisions for everybody else and put their mm-hmm. power over the people. That's the kind of thing that has been going on for a long time. And that's that's the problem I see. And and uh Part of that then plays out into how the north side of Springfield is treated differently from the south side. Yeah. So, you know, I think we need to have more focus on the north side in terms yeah. of infrastructure, sidewalks. You know, there's there's very basic things that are lacking there that, you know, the south side gets that attention and those financial investments. And we need to make sure that we're giving attention to parts of the city that yeah. really need that help. You know, those people's voices counts too. Mm. Yeah, when I've walked through some of those neighborhoods, you know, there's there's some definite areas where we need to be putting priorities on the north side and these historic neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a fresh set of eyes on it would do some good. I would agree with that, sure. <laughs> a fresh set of eyes and the fresh attitude at looking at it so before we go how do listeners get a hold of you you can get in touch with me through my website alexanderayton.com and yeah that's a good way to stay in touch and keep up with what we're doing on the campaign cool alex ayton thanks for thanks for joining me yeah i appreciate it this was fun yeah it was it was Please go out and vote on April 6th. I will return to regular episodes on Tuesday, April 13th. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can email them to b underscore nrp at yahoo.com or you can post to the NR Podcast on Facebook. That's the NR Podcast on Facebook. Go vote! This is the New Resistance Podcast. See ya!